into DNVR Buffs post game presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, I'm joined by Ryan Konigsberg. Uh, we're going to have Ben Girding on later. He's in the conference call with Carl Durrell right now. He'll have a whole bunch of updates from there. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Buffs 55 to 23 loss to Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Um, it was just brutal. Uh, let's start with the biggest takeaways, though. And Ryan, what's your biggest takeaway? Well, I'll save uh, my biggest positive takeaway uh, for a second here because I think, you know, when you really look at this game, your biggest takeaway has to be the difference in recruiting between Colorado and Texas. Uh, you know, yesterday after we did our basketball postgame show, we were kind of talking and you were talking about how many guys were out for Texas and, you know, we were feeling decent about that. Um, but, you know, at the end, they are able to replace their guys who are out uh, with much better players than Colorado was able to replace their guys who are out. And, and we didn't know how many guys were, were going to be out for the buffs last night. Uh, you know, no Terrence Lang really hurt. Uh, they were extremely, extremely thin in the secondary. And you saw uh, Texas able to take advantage of that. Obviously, Nate Landman was still the most impactful injury. Uh, you know, the list went on. Brian Howell was tweeting for like a whole hour before the game, just naming all the guys that are out. And Texas, they don't blink. They've got another four-star kid from a blue blood pro uh, high school program in Texas that they just insert in there. And he's ready to go. You know, Sam Ellinger goes down and they just bring in someone who's better. Uh, so, you know, that has to be your biggest takeaway. Uh, it's not like that for every team. But, you know, the USC's of the world are like that. Uh, and so Colorado and Carl Durrell and this staff have to recruit a lot better than the staffs before them have. So that when players go down, you're able to, to replace them. You know, obviously they're not going to be one-for-one -one replacements but you'll be able to replace them with guys who are respectable. Yeah, I totally agree that that is the biggest takeaway. And I, I think it's easy to look at this game and just say, Texas is a much better football program than Colorado is. And at this point, if you said that, like you, you might not be wrong. What I would say is this, like, first of all, Colorado did not put its best foot forward tonight. And, and I don't know whether given all these circumstances, given who was available and who wasn't available and everything that's gone on, like, is their best shot good enough to beat Texas when Texas is playing, you know, a pretty solid football game like Texas did tonight? I really don't know. But but I do think that it's a much different game if Colorado does have all those guys. Uh, it's, it's just so obvious that Texas has that depth. And that's something that Carl Durrell and all of the coaches have talked a lot about all season. I mean, even since he was hired, it's just about how important getting that depth is. And they spend so much time developing their depth and talking about how that's, that's a big difference between this program and other programs. And it is just like you said. I mean, the difference between uh, an Alabama or a Clemson or a USC or Texas, any of these blue blood brand name programs – the biggest difference is just the quantity of good players that they get. Like like any team, like you can take a three-star and get lucky and have that turn out to be an NFL guy. That has been something that has happened at Colorado quite a bit. Like that's where most of those uh, NFL guys have come from is right there. But 
on top of those guys who you just need to break out and become star college football players, and Texas does have more of those. It, it's not a lot more, but it's certainly more. The biggest difference is just what the rest of that roster looks like. How many guys are you willing to put on the field? And, you know, it, Colorado had 49 scholarship players active. I think that was Brian Howell's count um, after going through everybody he didn't see down there it's just not, it's just not enough. They didn't have the juice to compete with Texas tonight and it's disappointing, but it's not all that surprising. It's not. And you know, that's why, you know, there are obviously moments in the game where you're frustrated and and there's moments in the game where you're excited, but uh, you know, you kind of felt where this was going, especially, I mean, starting with Nate Landman, like I, I, we talked about Nate Landman ad nauseum after the last game. And I don't think you could talk about him enough tonight. Um, he is the difference. Like, you put him on the field, and this game is different from start to finish. Now, I don't know if they win the football game with Nate Landman, but the game is different from start to finish. They still couldn't fit the run. That's what I talked about with you last night. I said, heck, they've had all this time to practice fitting the run. They've got to have fitting the run figured out. They didn't even come close. Like, I guess they kind of fit it for a few stretches there in the second half. Then, uh, you know, and and late in the first half. Then, you know, they're fitting it and not making the tackles. It was just Nate Landman is is that good. He's that good that we still have to talk about him as a main takeaway of the game uh, when he got hurt a whole game and a half ago. Yeah, it was obvious that they missed him. I mean, you could just look at any piece of this team and there were plenty of flaws. Like there wasn't one group that just performed spectacularly. I mean, you can think of a mistake made like every single position. I just ran through and did it. Like the offensive line, they were disappointing. Everything happened with Sam Neuer, uh, Daniel Arias with the drops, uh, Matt Lynch with the ball that was tough to grab in the end zone, but that I thought he probably should have gotten up for. And part of that is, again, the missing player, Brady Russell. If he's in there, does he make the catch? That had to be the first thing that comes to Buffs fans' mind. Like, who knows what's going to happen? But, And that's just the offense. On the defense, there are plenty of things that you can point to, too. And, and this game, though, is just a, a blend of mistakes and not being as good as Texas is at football, uh, at least given the rosters that were available tonight. And I don't know how much of it was which side, but, boy, was it disappointing to watch. Yeah, and, and I guess my point here will will transition into some more um, optimis- optimism. But you needed Sam Neuer to be fantastic tonight. Like, mm-hmm. if the Buffs were ever going to win, Sam Neuer was going to look amazing. Mm-hmm. And from his very first throw of the game, I thought, oh, dear, he's not fully healthy yet. Because I think it was probably some uh, – they never told – told us what happened after the i think it was probably some sort of ac joint type of you know shoulder sprain um what we did here is that he i think it even happened before the season and it's something that he's been dealing with all season but that's i think all we know that sounds even more like an ac joint because those things just never fully heal uh something that drew Locke has been dealing with all season uh ever since that uh, Pittsburgh game, and, and I saw it, and I saw him make a throw, and it just didn't have the same zip, and I was worried about that. And you, I mean, the inter, the first interception, Henry, was mind-boggling. Uh, you know, this is a guy who is an, is an arm talent guy, 
And that looked like you or me out there trying to throw that pass. Like you thought you could just kind of flip it in there. And he was what? Six, seven yards short of the target. Yeah. At least. Uh, So uh, that hurt. Um, And as soon as he wasn't going to be, you know, elite or his best self at the very most, at the very least, I should say, uh, it it was going to be dark, but that ended up bringing a little bit of light to this game. Yeah, and as we were talking, Adam Munster-Tiger just tweeted that Carl Durrell just said that Sam Neuer might need to get surgery on his shoulder, which isn't a huge surprise given what we've seen from him since he did take that hit against Utah. But yeah, I, I it, it's just so hard to evaluate what exactly went wrong tonight because it is kind of just a bunch of different things. But I did think that when Sam was at his best, it was after they let him run the ball a couple times. Maybe that was just Sam's decision, and there was the one where he should have given it to the running back, but he held on to it, and that was the wrong decision. And, but it did seem like once he was able to start running, like those were some of the first positive plays that the Buffs had all game. And then the passing started to fall into place just a little bit, but it never quite got the traction that Sam needed. Yeah, so there you go. Shoulder surgery, again, uh, probably screams AC joint to me. Uh, got Tim Lanat here in the comments, uh, so shout out to him. Um, I, I think that's senior. Yes, that is senior. Um, uh, I was so unbelievably enthralled and excited uh, by Brennan Lewis. Um there are certainly things he needs to work on. He didn't have the same coming out party that Texas's second quarterback had by any means, but and and that kind of like overshadows it a little bit. But man, really exciting traits on display from Ben Brendan Lewis. Um, he was nervous when he got out there, and you could tell it. And I think even on his first completion, it it wasn't you know he didn't drive that ball the way that you'd like to see. And I think arm strength will be the biggest thing that he needs to work on. Uh, as he kind of, you know, develops as a quarterback in, in this offseason. But, man, the athleticism was better than I expected, uh, to be completely honest. Yeah. I knew he was athletic, um, but I kept kind of saying, like, well, he's, he's athletic, um, not like Jaden Daniels athletic, and probably still not quite Jaden Daniels athletic, but the athleticism was incredible. The, you know, that last play right before the Broussard fumble where he scrambles out of the end zone uh, breaks like three, four tackles and, and ends up almost getting a first down or maybe getting a first down out of that play. Uh, Iowa, I just just blown away by that. So to me, that's the biggest and maybe only exciting takeaway from this game is, okay, so there might be a, little, a, a legit quarterback competition next year uh, as, those, as, we, as we try to figure out who's going to start for this team. Yeah, and um, might as well say now that Brendan Lewis is our DraftKings king of the game. Um, you know, it, it was a very good debut, you know, for a freshman quarterback. You know, honestly, my first thought when um, I saw that play where, where he's looks like he's buried in the end zone, winds up, I can't remember if he got the first down or got close to the first down, but it was a really, it was a really good run. My first thought, though, was, huh, I wonder what a Shad Clayton would look like. Because we just haven't seen a whole lot of him. But in that situation where you see the way that Brendan runs, and, he, and you know, he's fast. He's faster than I expected. 
you know, after like watching what he was compared to what Jaden Daniels was in high school, I was like, okay, he's, he is more of a power runner. And that's definitely what we saw, but he is faster than Sam Neuer. um, And maybe not as strong or any of that, but it's, it's kind of interesting to finally see him on the field. It did make me think though, like if he's looking like that against this Texas defense, what would Ashad Clayton have looked like? But we can t- get to that later if we uh, need to. Um, yeah, you might I mean, be strength for Brendan Lewis being something that you want to see him develop uh, as he goes forward. And to me, the one thing that really stood out was kind of just how simple everything was for him. You know, it's not like they were asking a whole lot. It was read options. You know, the commentators were saying saying that it was designed to pull and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure if that's right or not right. But everything was really simplified where it's all just like the bootleg out to the right. He knows where his receivers are going to be. And and he executed perfectly. uh, Not perfectly, but very, very well, especially compared to expectations. Um, I just wonder how much of a step that he can take over this offseason because I do think that there's going to be a competition this fall. Yeah, I think that he could take a big step. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, looking at – we were talking in the chat about how his swag is a little bit lacking. Um, and I think, first and foremost, the number 12 is is really hurting him. Uh, it's not what he wore in high school. In high school he wore one. I'm not making any projections or predictions, but I think one might be available on offense potentially uh, moving forward. So he might get that next year. That'll help. But – the reason I bring that up is because I was looking at his high school pictures to see what he wore in high school. And I just saw his arms uh, and he had skinny arms in high school and oh. already his arms are looking bigger than that. Uh, so he can get stronger. He can get bigger. I think he can add 10 pounds, 15 pounds to his frame and become even stronger back there. Uh, and, you know, arm strength is finicky. Uh, because it's not something like you can just go do curls or something and, and all of a sudden your arm gets stronger. Your arm can get a little stronger. But, you know, for example, Sam Neuer, they said on the broadcast, told them that when he put, when he was a pitcher in high school, he touched 96. Like, that's not because he was lifting weights. That's because he just has natural, you know, a naturally hot arm. Um, so, Brennan Lewis, there's not that much you can do, but you, there are things you can do. Uh, and especially, you know, if he ever wants to get to the next level, uh, it's going to be something really important. Arm strength won't make or break a quarterback in, in college, uh, but it will decide whether or not you can play at the next level. So hopefully it's something he can work on. Um, but I love that you said it was easy because it did feel like he, he, not only was he putting the ball in the right spot, but he was reading the field mm-hmm. um, and getting to, you know, secondary and tertiary reads and delivering the ball in the right spot. And if you can do that in college, you're going to be just just fine. Yeah, uh, like you said, it's not going to arm strength isn't going to make or break you in college. It does decide whether you go to the pros. That is the exact situation that Sam Ellinger is in right now. With that being like his one weakness, a very well-rounded game outside of that. Um, ben Girding is here. Uh, he was talking to Carl Durrell on the media call. Uh, he's going to report back. But before we jump into those. Uh, we've mostly just been talking about Brendan Lewis. What what do you think of his debut, Ben? I The first thing that comes to my mind is just how smooth he looked running the offense. He just looked comfortable out there. Really didn't seem like the moment was all too big for him. Uh, you know, especially coming in in relief for Sam Neuer, who tonight, I mean, he played erratic. Um, he just had a smooth delivery on the ball. 
He really ran within himself. He wasn't trying to do too much. Really just an impressive debut for a guy that we haven't gotten to see yet, and it really gave Buff fans a great taste heading into the offseason of what could be ahead in the quarterback room. All right. Um, we heard that uh, Sam might be going to get surgery at some point this offseason. Can you give us more details about that? Yeah. So he, uh, Carl Durrell was actually the only person we talked to on the presser. Um, he was asked about the chances of a quarterback competition heading into spring ball. And as most right head coaches do, he did a great job of dodging the question. He did talk a lot about how, you know, this is a team game and they're going to put guys that they think can make us the most successful in. He did touch on that Sam might be having offseason surgery, so he may be unable to compete in spring ball. That would be huge as far as where this quarterback room is heading because if Neuer's out for an extended period of time and is missing some of that chemistry, it's really going to give guys like Brendan Lewis the nod, especially now that he's got some in-game experience. Um, altogether, though, I think the quarterback competition next year is going to look a lot better than it did this year. You know, obviously, when Sam Neuer was announced, there was a lot of people that are like, you know, obviously he played safety last year, not a lot of confidence in it. But now you've got Sam Neuer, who, yeah, he had a bad game, but still, he's second team all conference this year, along with Brendan Lewis, very talented. And you've got Drew Carter coming in in this incoming class, as well as now Shrout, the transfer from Tennessee. I mean, all of a sudden, you feel great about where this quarterback room is. And really, whoever ends up winning that battle, you're going to have a lot of confidence in them heading into the season. Yeah, it's just nice to know that there's going to be real competition, like competition that kind of pushes each other instead of being in the situation the Buffs were in this year where you have somebody who's been around a while but hasn't been able to break through. You have Tyler Lytle who hasn't been around quite as long but also wasn't able to break through. Uh, you have Brendan Lewis as a true freshman. You're like, oh, no, there might be a situation where this is just the best of a group that isn't ready. It turns out that wasn't the case, but now you know that there will be some good options next year. Yeah, and I feel like I really hope that the kind of downward finish for Sam Neuer doesn't cut away from people's appreciation for what he did this season uh, because, look, he's obviously not a perfect product at quarterback. There's a reason it took him this long to break through. I also think he deserves a lot of credit for why the Buffs were here in San Antonio tonight. So, you know, I don't know. I, I've had a rough week with – fans and and being uh mean to uh players but i i just want people to you know to have appreciation for what sam neuer did i thought he did the best uh he could with the situation that he had in front of him i thought he gave this team some juice early in the season he was stable early in the season um it was clear to me that brendan lewis was still swimming a little bit out there like I, he looked comfortable but I don't know how to how to kind of explain what I'm trying to say, but I don't think what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that six games ago, I don't think you would have seen that Brennan Lewis. And so you needed Sam Neuer to come in here uh, and stabilize things. And I thought he did a really great job. And, you know, this was perfect for Brennan Lewis to get in tonight. I think it actually in a roundabout way was actually more valuable that Sam Neuer wasn't playing well and it wasn't just the one in one out type of scenario. He actually got real playing time against a very real power five program, maybe real more real than most of the teams they have to play in the pac 12. Um, so 
there's a lot uh, a lot you can take away from a Brendan Lewis perspective and and but I also just I want people to not hate on on Sam Neuer for what he did this season. The Buffs still went forward to. Yeah, I mean they they don't make it. They don't come anywhere close to making it this far without Sam. Uh, so important to the season. You know, there was one play tonight that I feel like kind of summed up the. Again, I don't know what to call it either with Brendan Lewis. Like, is he just like raw? Is that what it is? But there was one play where he dropped back in the pocket and one guy got around the edge instead of just stepping up and looking downfield and trying to find somebody. He panicked and just tried to take up off up the middle and it wound up being like a two-yard sack because there just wasn't anything there. And it's those sorts of things where, you know, he's probably been hearing once you get out there, the game's fast. You got to make quick decisions. As soon as it's not there, you got to pull the trigger. You got to pull the ball down and run. But he did seem just, you know, a little bit antsy or jumpy, but that's just what happens when you're playing your first college game. And I think that the good more than outweighed the bad. Um, let's move on to uh, other – actually, Ben, what else did we learn at the press conference? Was there anything else that really stood out to you? Yeah, you know, just to kind of tie a bow – well, not really tie a bow because I know we're going to talk about him a lot, but on Brendan Lewis, uh, Carl Durrell said he was the bright light of the offense. Very complimentary of him coming in there, which which I think is great. And especially because of the tone of Carl Durrell's press conference as a whole was, I mean, it was kind of what you would expect. I mean, Texas just put up 55 points. And then you've got uh, Justin Guerrero tweeting out that Carl Durrell just decided to not make any players available um, for it. So I, you know, I was a little concerned that they kicked us off the Zoom. I thought I broke my computer, but that was just Carl Durrell's decision. And, you know, he was he was not happy. He talked about that a lot. He wasn't feeling excited. One question in particular, uh, he was asked on if there was any sense of relief that the season was over and, you know, excitement towards the future. He was very point blank. And he said, quote, it's hard for me to imagine any excitement right now. I'm not feeling being excited about anything. It's really about the final impression. And it's that. It's a great attitude to have because right now, He's pissed off. He's hungry. You know, the fact that Colorado went four and one in the regular season doesn't mean anything because he said it. It's the final impression. And while I think that, you know, that that could have some ramifications in a negative light if you ignore all the good. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, you know, this is going to leave a bad taste in our mouth and we need to come out and we need to write it. Um, Another thing kind of along that same vein, too, is talked a lot about how Texas was a, a litmus test, a measuring stick as far as how they stack up. And Darrell was blunt. He said this program is probably two, three, four years away from being able to compete with a program like Texas. So while that might not be what you want to hear, especially after a season where Colorado started 4-0, um, it, it, it just really helps you ground in reality that Carl Darrell expects a lot of this team. He expects a lot of, of this program. And going 4-2 and in the season, losing a bowl game, that's not going to settle with him in a positive way. And And I think that's really great as far as who is leading this program? I love those answers from him. I, I don't love saying two, three, four. I, I'm fine with two. Uh, <laughs> two years away from being able to compete with a program like Texas. Um, I, I think I saw the most emotion from Carl Durrell on the sidelines that I've ever seen tonight. Um, he, he like left his feet when Matt Lynch dropped the touchdown. Uh, he clearly knew that was a big moment. Uh, and he like, I just never seen him react like that on the sidelines. And then he also had a pretty demonstrative reaction when uh, Christian Gonzalez dropped the second would be pick six for the buffs on the night. He, he just kind of like was exasperated. Um, 
he wanted this one for sure. He really wanted it. I wonder if that had a little bit to do with recruiting and the ability to get back to, you know, a program that can compete with Texas on a, on a week in week out basis, because, you know, you go in into Texas and beat Texas. Um, that's going to open some eyes to get the next Brendan Lewis or whoever it is out of Texas. So, uh, I, I wonder if that had a little bit extra to do on top of just obviously wanting to win the game. But he was definitely uh, a little more jumpy tonight than you're used to seeing from him. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. I, I, it was one of those two plays. And I think it was the Matt Lynch. It was a drop. It was like one of the tougher drops, but it was a drop. Like he put his arms up in the air and then they just went straight back down to his side. Like, like there was this like couple of seconds where it was like, all out there, and then he just seemed like right back to being locked in. Um, it was. I'm kind of surprised to hear that he said some of that stuff in the uh, Zoom call, though, because you know you don't think of Carl as somebody who gets too caught up in the moment. You think of some him as somebody who's just generally looking at the bigger picture. But to hear that he's frustrated and he's having trouble finding something to be excited about, you know, that's him being a little bit lower on himself than, or not himself, but on on the program than. I think we've heard from him in the past. Yeah, this was definitely, you know, this is the sixth post-game press conference now that I've covered of Carl Durrell, and it was just the most different, you know, flat out, very real, very in the moment, and, and just blunt with a lot of his answers. One of them, too, um, you know, he was asked about, is it more important to remember those first few games, or is it more important to remember how you finish? You know, and this kind of ties back to that other one, but it was a different question. He said, this game tells us, you know, how much farther we have to go. It wasn't anything indicative of what this season was in the beginning, but the last two games were pretty close. Tackling was poor, inefficiencies on offense, unable to take care of the ball. And those three bullet points can really sum up the last two last two games. Tackling on defense, been atrocious. You know, Nate Lamon, obviously, he's the heart and soul of this defense. But you got 10 other guys out there, and – no, you can't expect someone to step up and play at an all-pro, you know, one of the nation's best linebackers like Nate Landman was, but that can't be an excuse for giving up some of these some of these touchdowns. And especially in the run game tonight, in, in garbage time too, that last Texas rushing touchdown, did he break four tackles or 40? It was hard to tell. I mean, everybody got a hit on him, but nobody could finish the tackle. And you're just not going to win defense that way. And then flipping it over on the offensive side, inefficiencies, yeah, they're up and down. Sam Neuer in particular today, just looking at his passing stats, he had some beautiful throws that were on a rope. Very tight, stepped up in the pocket, and then he had other ones that really changed the game. He missed two deep balls, one to Arias who had a couple steps, one to Maurice Bell who was wide open. That was the drive that ended up in the missed field goal. I, you know, just the inefficiencies, unable to do, you know, do the simple things, make the easy reads, and then not holding on to the ball. Obviously, Sam Neuer's two interceptions and Jarek Broussard today with a fumble as well. Those are just three bullet points that sum up where Colorado has won and lost games. Because when you look at a game like UCLA, when they won in a shootout, they weren't having these problems. Yeah, the Neuer misses um, were interesting. The the deep one to Arias, like that's just one that happens. Like you just didn't connect. Um, the the second one though, he got crushed for that on Twitter. I feel like people were missing the point a little bit in my opinion um there's a reason why there was a flag on the play it's because they held him 
there's a reason why he threw it too far, which is because that the receiver got held. Uh, like he obviously you, you think that there, maybe he can react kind of in real time there in his throw and lob it a little bit more. And maybe, you know, a great quarterback does do that, but like, he's trying to look off the safety. Then he looks back over there and he lets it go. He doesn't realize that the receiver is just now regaining his momentum. Uh, and he didn't get a great release because he got held. So just something that I noticed, like he was like, he got just destroyed for that on Twitter. I was like, well, usually there's a flag for a reason. And the flag had a big impact on the play in my opinion. No, yeah. absolutely. I, you know, I, I think Twitter was especially hard on Sam Noir tonight. I've been catching a lot of flack for my tweet um, that I said, if anyone's selling Sam Neuer stock, I'm going to buy it right now. And the oh, reason God. I said that is just the reason I said that I know I'm a, I am a Sam Neuer defender, but here's why I said that. And I included it in the tweet, his leadership tonight was so impressive that I want him back. Even if it is a backup next year, coaching up Brendan Lewis on the sideline, cheering for him after the touchdown drives and his touchdown run. That's really impressive. But yes, those deep balls, they're, they're going to happen like that. But I think if he is going to maintain the starter next year, the one thing he has to fix on his deep ball is being able to put more touch on it. He has such a strong arm, like you were talking about that fastball earlier, that he just doesn't loft them enough, and it's not allowing some receivers to run under it like like a Daniel Arias on that one, uh, on that one streak. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised you're catching flack for that tweet. But I actually – I was so, so impressed, and I gained a ton of respect uh, for Sam Neuer tonight. Um, and also, I think that Carl Durrell did a very good job of coaching these guys because they were prepared for this. You know, this wasn't Sam Neuer having the rug pulled out from him, you know, sort of in the same way that um, Brian Fitzpatrick had it pulled out from him in Miami, where all of a sudden he's just like, what? Like, this is my team. You can't just take it away from me all of a sudden. Um, and so, you know, Carl Durrell laid the foundation for that. Sam wasn't playing well. He knew it was coming. And I just, I feel like it, it allowed him to be emotionally prepared for the moment. And he absolutely aced the test uh, of that moment. He was an incredible teammate. Uh, he was first one running out there celebrating with Brendan Lewis after his touchdown. So, uh, very proud of him. Happy to have him as a buff. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break in a second, um, but first I have a question for you guys. Uh, while we're talking about stocks, would you say you are buying or selling stock for Makai Blackman? Oh, buy it up. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, there were, there were a couple tough plays out there, but there were also some really great plays from him. I mean, it, that I guess that's kind of what being a cornerback is. But it was kind of an up-and-down night for somebody who has been pretty locked down all season. I thought he was fantastic, to be honest. Um, he, he had the one – There's, I think a, there's a little stretch there uh, that he had a tough, game, a tough little stretch. Um, there was the pass interference. And on the very next play, he gets beat on the post uh, or the slant. And the touchdown. Then did he get beat for another touchdown later? Was that him? That was Gonzalez, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Huh. So he gets, you know, to me, that's a two play stretch there uh, where he kind of had a tough little stretch. But the entire rest of the game, I thought he was probably the second or third best player on the Buffs defense tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Buy, buy, buy up Makai Blackman stock. And you know what? While we're talking about it, too, give me Christian Gonzalez stock because 
He played exactly how I thought a freshman cornerback would play against Texas in a bowl game. He had a phenomenal pass breakup up the far sideline in the first half. And then he also did get beat on the inside a couple of times, gave up a couple of touchdowns. Look, the kid's going to be up and down in his first year starting. You know, that he's going to get tested in a lot of different ways. But he is showing a lot of promise in different areas. And I think that he is really going to turn into be a stud cornerback for the next couple of years. Now, obviously, you've got to see him put together a, a full, consistent game. We haven't seen a real full game from him just yet. But the, the defensive backs, they did not play well tonight. But I don't think that's an indication that they're going to play this poorly moving into next season. Yeah. Um. You guys uh, who are watching, send in your questions. We're going to get to all those in a bit. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe and do all that kind of stuff. It really goes a long way. Um, and also, want to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, they make a whole lot of really good beers. Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out what I'm craving right now. I feel like I feel like I could I could have a vanilla Porter Jr. I feel like that would be the, the vibe. A little bit heavier. Uh, I, I like nice, sweet. Um, what are you feeling, RK? I always want a strawberry sky. Uh, helps me be more happy when I'm happy, and it helps me be happy again when I'm sad. <laughs> so just whatever the state, just more happy. Yeah, exactly. You can ask for much more than that. It's just you know, it's just in, it's a it's happiness in a can. Wow, Ben, uh, you're almost twenty one. Uh, let's pretend uh, that you haven't tried let's it yet. Not. <laughs> for your 21st birthday, what record beer do you want to have? <laughs> for the 21st birthday, I really want to try the RK special just because of you know how much I how much I so much praise. I figure that's got to be the the first drink that I ever have. I'm gonna be super excited to to have my first ever alcoholic beverage, um, and and we'll see what happens. Nice. I will personally concoct you a perfect RK special on your 21st birthday. Wow. That's awesome. a special RK special. <laughs> um, if you guys want to try any beers from Breckenridge Brewery, uh, pretty much everything is shut down right now. And so you probably have to go to a, a supermarket or a liquor store or gas station. They'll have them pretty much anywhere in Colorado. But if you use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website, it'll tell you exactly where you can go to try whatever beer you want to try. Um, also want to remind everybody that there's a pretty cool, fairly new podcast here at DMVR covering, uh, the, uh, rugby just in general, because what happened is, uh, the USA Eagles 15s teams, both the men's and the women announced that they're going to be training at infinity park in Glendale which means that like basically Colorado is the center of rugby in the United States. So Colton Strickler is out there covering them. Uh, he's got the DMVR rugby podcast. There's written content on the website. Uh, he's on Twitter. Um, so make sure that you are supporting him and supporting us. And uh, now that football season's over, why not watch something that's just a little tiny bit worse than football, but still pretty close and very physical and fun to watch anyway. It is. Definitely very physical. I feel like um, like rugby is a real shoulder beard sport. Oh yeah, that's fun. That's real fun. <laughs> I I just I I don't even know what that means. I I don't think there's shirts versus skins rugby. You wouldn't even know if somebody has a hairy birthmark. Maybe you would. I don't know. Anyways, 
anyways, uh, yeah, DMVR Rugby, follow it. Um, and uh, let's get to our helmet stickers. Um, we typically – do we usually do these after a loss? I think it's been like we kind of fly by see our pants. Uh, today we're doing helmet stickers because I want to see who you guys – we're impressed by outside of uh, Brendan Lewis. For those who just tuned in, he was the DraftKings king of the game. So he he's not eligible. Don't get mad when he doesn't get a helmet sticker. All right. Um, I want to give a helmet sticker to Jarek Broussard. Um, yeah. He he willed this team, in my opinion, uh, into being in this game in the first place. Uh, because it very well could have gotten out of hand if he doesn't score on that fourth down. Uh, they probably, you know, have a big play right after that, and they go up 21-0, and we're feeling probably even worse than we are right now. So just on sheer power of will, he got that ball into the end zone on fourth down. Um, he carried the ball 27 times for this team on a night where it clearly wasn't working, um, but he was able to grind it out. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, just that's that single play alone, that first touchdown was enough for a helmet sticker for me. All right. Uh, Ben. Yeah. Well, first of all, got to agree with that. Jerick Broussard. I mean, he, he should just get a, a new helmet full of our stickers. I'm going to give one to Dimitri Stanley because he's back question mark. Did yes. Chev and this offense finally remember what he was doing? This, I just looked this up, and it's honestly, it's shocking, but it's not. Dimitri Stanley signed four catches, 86 yards. He only had four catches in his last three games. And, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the team was 4-0 at the time, so I guess it's, it's not as big a deal. But when you lose to Utah and you have a lack of offense, how does he only have one catch for three yards, you know? So it was great to see the offense finally be able to get the ball to Dimitri Stanley in a couple different ways. They hit him on a comeback route. They had Sam Moyer in, in a, a motion. They brought him across the field, hit him, got him the ball early so he could run under it. Really just kind of got creative on that side of the ball, and it was great to see him produce once again. You just hope that going into next season, you see that when Dimitri Stanley touches the ball, the offense is going to move down the field. So hopefully they can start just designing more packages that focus around him as your true number one receiver because that's where he's at talent-wise. And this team needs to start taking advantage of him more frequently um, if they don't want their offense to stall. Because if their biggest problem is inefficiencies, get it to a playmaker and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll give one to Christian Gonzalez. You know, we kind of talked about it a little bit. But, um, I mean, he, he made the best play of his college football career today. And that's what you want to see is that a young player is playing his best football at the end of the season. Um, and, and that's what we saw. And, you know, he's gotten some lumps this season and we've talked to him and we've talked to the coaches about how challenging it can be to be a true freshman cornerback starting in a power five conference. You know, obviously you're going up against really talented players, but on top of that, the quarterback on the other side knows that you're a true freshman and is going to start every single game by seeing what he can get from you before he starts moving around to other parts of the field. And Christian Gonzalez, it's been a challenge. And there have been high points and there have been low points and there's been trouble with penalties and he dropped an interception early and he dropped an interception today. So it's not like he's playing perfect football, but you see him out there and, and you see him grow and 
turn that growth into the type of play that he made with that play that Ben mentioned earlier, where he's just running downfield with the receiver, lays out, gets his hand on the ball. That is what he can provide. And that's something that he will provide for at least two more years in Boulder. Uh, and that's going to be incredibly valuable going forward. Man, uh, there just weren't that many guys who played very well. Um, uh, the punter had a great punt. Um, <laughs> Makai Blackman would probably be the other one who I think deserves one. Like I said, I, I thought he played extremely well for everything but a two-play stretch. Um, and that happens as a corner, you know, if you haven't been, if you haven't had a bad series, you just haven't played corner long enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got beat. Um, but all in all, I think he was really, really solid. And that's kind of a season long one. You know, he, he was a snub, I thought in the all pack 12 honors. Um, so I, I'm giving him a, a season achievement helmet sticker as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. while we're talking about conference sure. snubs, I'm going to give my helmet sticker to Carson Wells. He played a great game tonight as far as, you know, kind of maintaining the edge. And, and I think great is taken into perspective here because obviously you gave up 55 points and, you know, wh- what's his name? Sean Robinson at a 18.3 yards per carry, but he's credited with two and a half sa- uh, sacks on the night. He was, he was constantly in the backfield on passing plays, especially in that first half. I think he did what he needed to do as far as his own personal Goals coming into this game, especially with not receiving a whole lot of offseason appreciation, considering he leads the nation in tackles for loss and he was just an honorable mention, I think is is atrocious on the conference's fall, or front. So for him to come out here, play another good game against top competition shows that you know this season wasn't a fluke for him. Um, as far as where that puts him now heading into the offseason, you got to think he's heavily considering leaving Colorado and making the next step because – this was a fantastic season, but if he does come back, he's going to build on, on this great finish. Yeah, um, I see uh, somebody's in the comments saying Mustafa Johnson. That's a good one. I, I'm kind of torn. Like there are a few places I, I want to go. Like Mustafa obviously deserves it because he, it was a big sack and he was very involved when they started to heat up on the defensive line. But also, that's kind of just the ex- expectation for him is for him to do what he did tonight. Um, Meanwhile, like there's guys like Janaz Jordan, who we, we haven't talked a lot about uh, on this podcast. He was listed as a co-starter this week with Jalen Sami. And then when Jalen Sami didn't play for whatever reason, um, he stepped up and he played very well again, just like he has all season. At the same time, like uh, Jalen Jackson, um, he, he made the play on uh, one of the early punts that pinned Texas deep. And he kind of like fell down and the – the returner stumbled into him, but that's what happens when you're in the right place at the right time, which he consistently is. And he was the second team, all pac 12 special teams ace. Um, and he's showing why. And so even though he may not be on the field all that much on offense, I feel like he deserves some props. I- I've got to give it, I've got to give the helmet sticker to Mustafa though. Um, because he actually did do the produ- pro- producing and, um, he's done that all year as well. Yeah, when when he early in the game, like after I was trying to wrap my head around all who all was gone and who all was there, uh, he had a play on a rundown that was just, and I was just like, oh, thank God Mustafa's here. Like at least someone can create some havoc in the backfield and stop a run, you know, in its tracks. So uh, he looked actually uh, as 
dominant uh, going forward towards the line, like as he has maybe all season. Yep. Um, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, if you guys have any questions, throw them in the chat, whether you're watching on YouTube or Twitter or wherever. Uh, we'll get to all of those in just a second. Also, uh, give us a like if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, all that stuff. I, I guess I already plugged all that. But um, want to give a quick shout out to. I was too busy preparing all the other things I was going to say. Oh, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, I did not make money on DraftKings tonight, uh, which you probably guessed because Colorado lost and so did the Nuggets. And I'm not the most serious. Objective better. better. I kind of just like, I know I want to watch the game. I know that I have more fun if Colorado wins on these shows and that I'm like a big Nuggets fan. And so why not just make all that winning more. It didn't work tonight, but for the most part, it has worked because Colorado's won a lot of games this year. The Nuggets went on that run. I mean, it's it's just free money out there, or it could have been free money if I had won with that Nuggets bet because there was a 200% profit boost, which meant that the minus 124 money line was like plus 274, which is just incredible value. And that's the kind of stuff that you get when you bet with uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. They do so much, uh, so many awesome promotions. Uh, and uh, there's actually one going right now. Uh, you can pick any team that's currently in the college football playoff, any of the four that qualified for the semifinals, and you can get 100 to 1 odds on that team to win the championship if you're a new user. I just put $1 down on any of those four teams, and if that team wins the championship, you win $100, plus there's basketball season that's just starting. Uh, there's there's hockey that's on the way, all sorts of sports. The NFL playoffs as well. Uh, so download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 100-to-1 odds on any semifinal team to win it all. That's code DNVR for new players to get a shot at $100 on any semifinal this week. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, do we have some questions, Allie? Ooh. That's a good question. What grade do we give Carl Durrell in year one? Uh, I say A minus. That's from Bucket since '88. A minus is probably a good spot. I mean, when you compare this team to the expectations, I, it has to be some sort of A. And if you want to give them an A plus, I think you could get away with doing that even. Um, because remember, they were picked to finish fifth out of six teams in the Pac-12 South. They were only supposed to, I think the over-under on wins was set at like one and a half. This was a very good season for Colorado in spite of some terrible circumstances. I'll, I'll just give them a, a, an A, just straight up A. Yeah, I mean, relative to the expectations, it's like an A++++ to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's not the way things always work. Uh, if you told me before, like, if you told me before the season, hey, you can have four and two and a trip to the Alamo Bowl, um, I would be ecstatic. Uh, so with that in mind, that's an A++. But the, the, the lines do move as the season moves on. And decision-making, I think, was not his best quality. Um, I'd like to see him be not just like a little more aggressive, but a lot more aggressive. Um, I'd settle for a little more aggressive. Uh, but, you know, like tonight, it's a bowl game. 
you know, and you all like you watch any bowl game, you'll hear the announcer say like, yeah, nothing to lose out here tonight. They're going to probably go for this on fourth and three from 37 uh, or, you know, or, oh, there's the old trick play that they pull out. You know, that's a classic for bowl game, you know, and it just didn't. There was like none of that sizzle tonight. Obviously, there was the the decision to kick a field goal um, down 14. Yep. Which. Uh, I hated it when the Broncos did it on Sunday. They were actually down 13, and it, it actually worked out for them. So I was thinking, like, maybe this works out. But then I remembered, like, someone needs to tell Carl Durrell, whenever Colorado does this, they don't make the field goal. Um, <laughs> so you might as well just go for it anyway. Um, I just – I that one, that one was frustrating. In any game, it's frustrating. In a bowl game, it's just like, there's what are you doing? There's nothing to lose. Just go for it. Yeah. And – you know, I agree. I, I I would have gone for it there. But just to play devil's advocate, I mean, the Buffs had the ball six more times after that. And and it's not like you were down to your last possession or two. Like, it's college football. It's a really long game. And to finish another possession without points would have been a killer. And that wound up being what happened. And it was a killer. Um, I still think that you probably go for it. Um, and then I do think that, you know, that there was another one, I think just on the other side of the 50 on the buff side of the 50, uh, like fourth and short where they just snuck it with Sam and, and picked it up. You know, I would have gone for it. I give that decision. Um, I'll give it a C minus is where I stand right there. It's disappointing, but I, I wonder what the numbers would have to say about it. You know, I actually, the numbers I hate those decisions. I don't hate the decision to kick the field goal there. I really don't. I totally understand wanting to be aggressive. I mean, it's a bowl game, house money. But I think going back to that point, I mean, the offense was so hit or miss that I think you felt comfortable more in the fact that you could score one more touchdown and get the two point conversion and then a field goal because it would be an 11 point deficit rather than if you're stopped on fourth down, having to score the ball two more times. And, you know, I think that's obviously take it with a grain of salt because the defense really didn't do anything later on to show that they would have gotten a stop. So, yeah, I think looking back on it, you absolutely go for it. But in the moment, I agree with Henry. I give it a C, C, C plus, C minus, anywhere around that range because I think both sides have a, a strong point just in that situation. But – now that that's being said, moving forward, I think you absolutely go for it because, I don't know, maybe it is what you said, Ryan. Whenever Colorado makes that decision, it's always just going to end up in a miss. So screw it. <laughs> uh, you know, where I think a lot of – where I think the defense of this um, falls apart a little bit is the idea that you were only going to need 14 total points at in the end. Like the way the defense was playing, 14 points wasn't getting it done – at all. So right. trying to build your way to 14 with, okay, touchdown, extra or two point conversion, field goal, touchdown or field goal, field goal. Um, doesn't that adds up to 14? Well, you were going to need like 28 uh, to win this game and three wasn't putting any sort of dent in that. So that's where I had the biggest issue with, you know, if you've got a studly defense uh, and you can just lean on them to get you the ball back anytime you want and you can flip really you know, uh, not have to worry about it. And you think you can get a three and out like that's one thing, but you were going to need way more than 14 points from that time to win the game. Uh, it probably wasn't likely either way. And it was a bowl game. Got to go. 
Yeah. And, it, you know, it's kind of crazy just looking at this uh, game log, like when they break it down by drive, where, you know, once they went up 14 to zip, there was a three-play drive for negative one yards, um, a four-play drive for four yards, a three-play drive for negative two yards, a three-play drive for seven yards, and and then there's six for 58. But but then once you get to halftime, all hell broke loose. Like, it just didn't make sense. Um, I mean, that, that first drive, 66-yard run, and then a passing touchdown on the next play, like after the missed field goal, you have a 15-yard penalty on the first play. You get them to third down, and then you give up 20 yards, and then you get the pass interference, and then you give up a 25-yard touchdown. And it's just these big plays after big plays. But in between, the defense is playing really solid football, and it reminds me a lot of what they did last year where it seemed like it was a really good defense. It just made a bunch of mistakes. And that's kind of what we saw again tonight. And I, I guess that some of the reason is that there were so many new faces and they were getting used to playing with each other. And you're not used to looking over and seeing one guy who's not the last guy and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Allie, do we it's, have another question? It's, okay. it's, if you build a dam, uh, you know, with a hammer and, and nails and two by fours, eventually it's going to come down, you know, and, and they, were, they were doing their best, you know, to hold that, that thing up uh, as long as they could, but it, it was going to come down eventually. Um, and, and it did in spectacular fashion, honestly. Sure did. Oh, um, we don't know. I don't know because I've been on the show, but I don't think that they've said anything. Um, other than it was Terrell's request, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and Ryan, you might know more, but it, this does seem like a thing that happens occasionally in college football, not all that often. You know, it, it kind of – oh, the question was, do we know why players weren't made, made available to the media after the game? I'm not sure if I said that or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I don't like it because of my job. Um, what do you guys think? You know, if it ever happens, it's usually in like a heartbreaking loss where the coach is just kind of protecting his players because it's a tearful locker room and, you know, he doesn't want to make his guys go out there and be on camera when they're like that. I kind of doubt that's what this locker room looks like. Probably frustration and uh, maybe a little bit of sadness just that the season's over, but it's surprising to me just because this isn't one of those games. Maybe he was protecting Brendan Lewis in some way, because obviously that's who everyone would have wanted to talk to. And uh, maybe he doesn't think he's ready for the podium yet. I, I honestly have no clue, but you know, like I said, I've seen it in like a triple overtime game where, you know, the team just loses in heartbreaking fashion. The coach is just like, Hey, look, you know, I don't want the guys don't need to talk tonight. This just wasn't like that, um, so I, I'm perplexed. Yeah, I, you know, given his tone during the presser, I, I'm I'm not shocked just because he was pissed, and you know, to expect then what the players were going to say, I was really interested to see how the rest of the presser was going to go. Um, and then at the same time, when we found out that they weren't coming out, I wasn't really shocked because that just kind of felt like the cherry on top of the strange presser that I had just watched. So, so but yeah, I, I'm interested to see if he says anything. Did you get the vibes at all that like he was mad at the players? Um, because like, you know, a lot of times in bowl games, heck this happened the last time the Buffs were at the Alamo bowl, like 
the players aren't mentally prepared to play uh, because they've just been enjoying the bowl festivities so much. It, I doubt there were that it was that kind of vibe down there in San Antonio this week. Um, so, but was the vibe at all to you that maybe he was mad at the players and maybe this was like, he had just torn into them and was just like, get on the bus. You know, I, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as tear into them. Cause I just don't think that's Darrell's style, but he was not defending players like he has in the past. You look at what he was asked about Sam Neuer and that throwing shoulder um, he did mention again that he expected Neuer would have surgery, could possibly miss spring ball. But he said he had a great week of practice. He was hitting all those throws in practice. Today, he just wasn't sharp. So again, he's not making an excuse for Neuer. And then talking about Broussard, and this wasn't a slide on Broussard, but more so just the rest of the offense. He was asked about Broussard's injury, and I guess I haven't mentioned this yet. Said he should be fine. It was just a nick in the shoulder. But he said, uh, which I thought was interesting, he worked hard and did the best he could with what he was given, which I think is a tremendous slight against the offensive line and the run blocking. And, you know, maybe it could have been that situation where he was just done with the whole thing, get on the bus, let's get back to Boulder and figure it out from there. I would say that's probably the best guess um, because, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think this was a close enough game where players were going to be emotional about the way they lost. I think it would more so be – frustration of how they played and also just disappointment with the season being over. Man, I have so many, my head is just swarming with theories right now. Uh, like, <laughs> like, was he mad at the players who couldn't play tonight because maybe they did something that exposed themselves to COVID? We don't know. We don't even know if it was COVID. Um, and, and like, he felt like the, the players who were out there shouldn't have to face the media because it wasn't their fault. They were let down by their teammates uh, or like, was he like I don't know? Does he did he feel like they weren't prepared? And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, my head is I'm all over the place. Yeah, it uh, it sucks. A uh, comment on Sam slash Brendan Lewis dynamic next year. If Sam returns. Has a dual quarterback team ever thrived? Um, dual quarterback team thriving. I mean, you think back to like. Obviously, you have, oh, I mean, sure. Or all the way back to Roger Staubach. I mean, that's legitimately the only dual quarterback situation I remember. And I don't even know that it really worked. But I was thinking like dual threat quarterback, not dual quarterback. No, (laughs) you don't have two quarterbacks that can win you like uh, enough games. No, it's just Vince Lombardi who said, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Maybe not him, but somebody important once said that. Ohio State with JT Barrett and, and Cardell Jones. That's what they're saying in the comments here. Yeah, I mean, if you have two, like, five stars, um, then it's a little bit easier. Um, but, no, it, you can't do that. Your team needs a leader, and it's going to be your quarterback, and that and that leader needs to be unquestioned. RRPPO. Who says no? Uh, that, definitely not me, considering I invented it. <laughs> I, I do think – you know, when you look at what just Sam did tonight, I don't think he is the type of teammate that is going to be a bad teammate if he loses that starting job. I still think at this point, and I still have caught flack for it on Twitter, I'll probably catch flack for it in the comments for it. I still think Neuer has the edge. He is the veteran. Um, I think he he still is going to have an edge heading into spring ball. If he can't compete because of surgery, X, Y, and Z, there's a lot of factors going into it. It is so tough to project the quarterback competition sitting here right now. 
But with that being said, if he decides to return and loses that job, I think the dynamic is going to be fine. And then at that point, I think you feel really confident about your quarterback room because, you know, you mentioned Cario Jones and JT Barrett. They only played or Cardell only played because JT got hurt. And so, you know, God forbid something happens to whether it is Brendan Lewis or Sam Neuer. Both of those guys are not afraid to take hits. Injuries can happen. So to have both of those guys kind of in your stable as your one and two, wherever it shakes out, I think you feel a lot safer about it than you did at the beginning of this season where, you know, Sam Neuer got hurt. Then it's like, oh, is it Tyler Lytle? Is Brendan Lewis? There was a lot of uncertainty. So no matter how it shakes out, I still think you feel good about it. I think that if Sam Neuer is a stationary target, meaning that he can't improve because he is, you know, um, he has surgery, uh, I think it's going to be Brendan Lewis's job to lose. As long like if if Sam Neuer can't do anything to improve, is he's just staying here and Brendan Lewis can just rise? Like, I think he'll end up getting that job, but we'll see. Hopefully, it's a it's a competition that brings the best out of both of them. What were y'all's biggest takeaways from both teams tonight? Um, well, we already did that. To the first thing. Show. Um, we didn't talk about biggest takeaways from Texas. So real quick, uh, do we have one quick takeaway for from t- what we saw from Texas? Yeah, that quarterback that came in is better than Sam Ellinger, and <laughs> the Big 12 is in trouble. I would say B. John Robinson looks incredible. Also, that the linebacker who should have gotten kicked out, uh, he's actually real dope, and I'm excited to watch him play next year. Reminds me a lot of JOK from uh, Notre Dame. Okay, but we need to talk about that. So, so a lot of people uh, are upset about the call and you know that they went to review and came back and didn't. The reason why that happened is because the refs didn't call it correctly in the first place, uh, and I'm sure they'll tell you that, uh, and they just screwed it up. They literally just screwed it up. What they should have done is called late hit, we're going to review it for targeting. Then they could have come back and said there is no targeting. The late hit stands, which is would have been the correct call. They completely botched it, uh, and it cost the Buffs 15 yards. And and that was the the fourth down that they later didn't go for. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was that drive was so pivotal. I mean, you look at the second quarter for Colorado, and they played it damn near flawlessly. Brendan Lewis came in, led a great touchdown drive. You only held Texas to a very long field goal, broke the Alamo Bowl record with that 53-yard kick. Um, and then, you know, you had that drop in the end zone from Lynch. Would have been a difficult catch, but I still think the ball placement was, was pretty good, just knowing where the defenders were. So, realistically, Colorado could have been down just three points, ended up down seven. Coming out of halftime, that was such a pivotal drive, considering you just gave up another touchdown. And just so many bad breaks. You know, the, the overthrow to Arias. The, the holding on Bell that ultimately, you know, could have cost them that touchdown, that missed call. I mean, again, Ryan, you hit it on the nose. That was just very, very misplayed by the refs. And I think that just epitome, was the epitome of Colorado tonight on that drive. And just to reiterate, once they didn't call that, they couldn't. So they couldn't come back from that review and say, okay, it wasn't targeting, but it was a late hit that – I don't know why they're not given the power to do that. They certainly should be. If we're going to spend two minutes reviewing something, then let's at least get it right. Like, they came back from that review knowing that they had to get it wrong. Like, their only option was to get it wrong uh, or kick a player out of the game who they obviously didn't think deserved to be, which I thought was debatable in the first place. But they were like, let's fix that while we're here. Um, If we're going to review something, then review everything about the play and get it right. 
Yeah, you're already in there. Um, yeah. Next question. Can CU forego every bit to the Alamo Bowl moving forward? So what I will say is that this does kind of play into this bus mentality, bus fan mentality thing that I bring up occasionally. I will say the Alamo Dome has not been kind to CU. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's uh, – it's not good. Uh, do you think Shabu – Keep going to Alamo Bowls as much as you possibly can if, if you're not going to uh, Rose Bowls. Yeah, or college football playoffs. That's the yes. other option. But, yeah, do you think Chev was too predictable or simply outmatched by Chris Ash tonight? I don't put a lot of it on Chev. I, I mean, it's tough when your offensive line kind of gets bullied and your receivers kind of get bullied and then your quarterback does what Sam Neuer did. Like, I, I just – I, I can't say that Chev called a good game or called a bad game. Like it, it never got to the point where we could see what he was doing really. I thought he called a pretty good game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but they they were completely outmatched personnel wise. Yeah, I yeah. Th- to me this was Colorado basketball going up against Tennessee, honestly. I, I think the buffs went out there and they saw the competition and frankly ended up getting a little bit scared just by the size and, and the capability of Texas. They, they just have a lot of guys out there. All over the place. All right. Uh, my grade for Ben is an A. Hire that man. Oh, wow. Congrats, Ben. Is that your Shout first Shout out, Buckets. Is that my what first the- Oh, that was me. <laughs> yeah. You you can get um you can get hired as soon as we get those Russian nesting dolls that you promised. Handmade. Yeah. We're <laughs> yeah, paying still working on work. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is your outlook for this team next season? Just early vibes. I mean, you got to feel good, I think. There, there are certainly some questions, but, you know, the big question is what do you do at quarterback? And I think that you're you're happier with the situation this year than you were last year. Um, what, how do you replace Nate Landman? That's going to be a tough one. Question. That's, uh, that's going to be a challenge, but you probably I – would, I would guess you have a kill Jones back. It's going to be tough to see or tough to guess who – comes back from all those seniors who have that extra year of eligibility now. But I do think that you have to like what you saw because you really, in theory, shouldn't be losing all that much. Yeah. Um, to me, it just comes down to, like, is Nate Landman coming back potentially? Uh, if he is, I feel a million times better. If not, then I don't know how we're going to stop the run, so that needs to be figured out. Yeah, I, I think just quickly, the offense – is should only get better. They're going to return a lot of these guys. Quarterback, I think the the floor of the quarterback position next year is what we have this year, um, and that that's able to produce. I think it's only going to get better. Front seven on the defense, it just comes down to who comes back, who doesn't. If you lose Lamb and Johnson, Terrence Lang, you know Carson Wells, then you're really starting to fill up some. You, you're really going to have a lot of holes to fill. Yep. Um, from Max Stark. Ben got the classic Netflix and chill setup. Nice one. Yeah. Congrats, Ben. That's kind of your vibe. Solved. Hot dog <laughs> is a dual threat sandwich. Oh, no. It's yeah. not. It's just a hot dog. It's just a hot dog. Sandwich is not a blanket category. Uh, who leaves? Who comes back next year? It's just hard to say. I mean, even with Nate now, I, an Achilles is a very long-term injury. And for somebody who's in Nate's position, you know, if, if somebody really liked him in the draft, they might have tried to get him late in the second round. Um, now the market has cooled off 
considerably, I would assume. And then he's looking more at being at the very end of the draft because, you know, he likely wouldn't play his rookie season because of all the challenges you get to get ready to play and then to learn everything, all that kind of stuff. Um, so he's in a weird spot. Mustafa Johnson's another one who I, I would expect to probably go, but you don't really know because he could come back and prove just a little bit more. Um, Carson Wells, probably a dark horse to leave, but it's definitely very much on the table. Will Sherman in a similar boat. Um, and that's, that's among the seniors with transfers. It's another story. Yeah, there's a lot, uh, a lot of questions and I'm sure you could do a whole podcast just going through those guys. Nate Landman to me is the really only the one that you, uh, you have to worry about. Yeah. I like that um, comment. His accuracy is crazy. That that was what I thought was the most impressive thing tonight. He's putting the ball where it yep. needed to be. Yeah, yep. his, his touch on some of those throws were really impressive. That first one to uh, the pylon to Dimitri Stanley in the in the second quarter on that first touchdown drive, phenomenal throw. Yeah, yeah, a little floaty, a little floaty, a little floaty. Maybe just a little bit short, but at least gave somebody a chance to uh, go make the play. Also, uh, after watching Sam Neuer miss so many throws, boy, oh, did Brandon Lewis look sharp <laughs> yeah. today. Well, um, how about uh, how about just you know leaving it a little short uh, rather than leaving it long? You know, the, when you got big, strong receivers out there, that's what you want to do. Uh, he gave Brennan Rice the opportunity to draw a pass interference by just. Tell it like putting it in a position where he can go get it rather than in a position where he can't run underneath it. Yeah. Yep. Um, did you guys already talk about Texas throwing 40 yard deep balls already up 25 points? We did not. Um, don't I care. don't mind it. Don't care. Yeah. Wait, what, what were you gonna say, Brian? No, I was saying I don't care. Oh, you don't care? Okay, yeah. No, I, I thought maybe we were gonna argue here. I just feel like you know, they had a chance to give their third quarterback. Uh, a, a bunch of opportunities to make some plays. If it was Colorado, you'd want Colorado to do the same thing. It's college football. You don't get to waste time. If you have the opportunity to give somebody the reps, you got to take advantage. Um, I, I mean, exactly. Like you're, you, they have their backups in there. You know, it's not. It's not like they had all their first teamers in there throwing bombs. Um, they have their backups in there. This is the value of getting to a bowl game. Like I said at the beginning, it, you know, I don't care that the Buffs lost. They got an incredible opportunity out of this, and it ended with Brendan Lewis, potentially the quarterback of the future, getting a ton of real live bullets. So um, Texas doing the exact same thing. They had they were down to their fourth string quarterback at one point. Like, do what you got to do. Yeah, if Colorado's in that boat and, you know, let's say Sam Neuer got hurt at halftime and you got Brendan Lewis out there and you're up big, you want, as Colorado fans, to see that exact same thing because, yeah, get him some live action and see what he can do. All right. Um, any update on the situation with Alfano? Um, not much, really. So for those of you who haven't been paying attention, um, he uh, he was like the big-name recruit from Alabama, number one in the country, transferred for whatever reason. Uh, to Colorado, hasn't been able to get on the field because of epilepsy, um, something he's been dealing with since February. There was a flare-up a few weeks ago where he said that the school or the athletics department uh, wasn't helping him out as much as he would have liked. Um, you know, they refuted a couple of the claims, said, like, we'll work together. We do, we do want to get this fixed. Um, and that ended with, I think, Rick George agreeing to um, sit down with Antonio and talk about it. And that's where we are right now. 
Yeah, uh, really unfortunate situation. Um, mm -hmm. In the end, you just hope that he can get that uh, straightened out for him. Uh, I've had, you know, someone I know very close to me deal with that, and it can be really scary. Um, but it's also something that can be put under control uh, for a lot of people. So hopefully that happens for him. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Word around the cooler on the possible end, guy I think leaving. Uh, Clayton Mangum Miller. Um, you know, I think that that's a pretty good list. I mean, you look at where you'd expect guys to leave, um, and the running back room is the big one. Um, just because you have Jarek Broussard, you have Alex Fontenot, who was the – number two leading uh, returning rusher in the Pac-12. Then you have guys like Ashad Clayton who are ready for their turn. There's just too many guys, too many mouths to feed. Um, and and somebody out of that group, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Jarek. I think Fontenot, he would likely be the number two, and so you'd expect him to come back for that role. But you don't know with him, and then everybody else is going to be fighting for the scraps, and that might not be good enough. The receiver is another good place to look. We've seen Ashad Clayton and Keith Miller both um, kind of voice some displeasure um, about their playing time. Uh, so uh, that could be the list of three right there, or that could be none of them, or there could be no transfers at all. You don't really know, but I would expect to see a couple of guys go, and those are some good names. How differently does the game play out with all defensive personnel, including Landmine? That's a Land good question. Mine. Nice. Um, this is the last question, by the way. Um, you know, see, the thing is, Texas was down six to seven captains. All six were all conference players. And so if we're saying Colorado gets all their guys back, then Texas probably gets theirs back too. And so you're looking at a similar situation. But if just Colorado got them back, I mean, you, you don't give up 55, first of all. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that you're probably – low 40s if everything goes the same with the potential to be doing even better than that in which case maybe you have a chance i guess i truly like maybe i'm overvaluing him i think everyone else is undervaluing him i truly think that nate landman completely and utterly transforms the entire complexion of the game um it's just it not it's just not nearly as easy out there for texas on most most of their touchdowns were created by big plays and most of those big plays were in the run game. And that just doesn't happen if Nate Landman's out there. So they did end up opening him up over the top in the pass game uh, once it was already kind of getting away from the Buffs. But I just – I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I cannot sit here and say the Buffs were going to win. That would be asinine. But I truly think the entire complexion of the game plays out differently. Yeah, I just I, – I agree. I don't think that changes the final outcome. I just – I do think Texas just beats them in a different way. You know, they averaged 7.6 yards per carry, ran over 300 yards, and that's including the end of the game with the kneel downs and just trying to chew clock on the last couple drives. I That and, and the missed tackling is just stuff that does not happen when Nate Landman is leading your defense. So does it change the final outcome? Probably not. But it's just a different dynamic. I think the defense plays with a lot more juice. I don't think that the offense comes out as slow either because I think that Nate Lamon just has that kind of impact on your team as a leader. And I also, you know, kind of building off that too, the body language of the defense in the second half, especially when they, they kind of knew the writing was on the wall, that also is something that doesn't happen. I think the broadcast crew touched on it, but, you know, Nate Lamon did not travel with the team because I, I forget the word that they used for it, but essentially it was like he wouldn't just want to sit on the sidelines and watch it all happen. So 
you know, I, I think he makes it too ornery. I don't know what that word means. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's Nate Landman. Yeah. I I don't think he could handle it, honestly. Um, because he knows that none of that crap would happen if he was out there. You know how like every year there's like two strength coaches who headbutt one of their players so hard that there's just like blood pouring down their forehead and then like all over like Twitter and Instagram, everybody's talking about it and it happens like twice a season. Nate Landman is probably like just skinless up there from just walking around the head, the sidelines, headbutting everything he can see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's the missed tackles that you really look at because Obviously, those Texas running backs, they're just like – they're big and they're strong. And, and that, I mean, that's just the type of athlete that you get when you play one of these types of schools that has their pick of all the players in the country. You know, when when Mel was here, there were the kind of like boxes that you had to check to even be uh, recruited at all. Like I think there was five categories and, and you were graded out based on uh, different things. So there's like size and if you're this height – or then your whatever grade uh, for outside linebackers, the arm length was a big one. And and if you had like 70 inch arms, then you get a, a an eight or a seven, whatever the corresponding number is. But then you had to get like a minimum of seven in, in every one of those categories to even be recruited. And, and that's why like guys like Jarek Broussard, he wouldn't even get recruited because he wouldn't check the the size box because that's just how it works. And there's, there's pros and there's cons, but when you're Texas and you wind up, with guys who are big enough and strong enough and fast enough, just this baseline level at every position, it really works out. And when those guys are able to break a couple of tackles early, I I think that that really gets them going. And I think they realize that they can break tackles. And and so they aren't ducking out of bounds. They aren't going down easy because they think that every tackler is going to bounce off of them. And and on those first couple runs, that's what happened. And that doesn't happen with Nate Landman. I think once you take a couple of hits from Nate Landman and Jalen Sami and some of these other guys that were missing, that's when, that's when you start to feel just a little bit defeated and, and you start to feel the wear and tear and aren't trying to make the same plays uh, so it's just a totally different game on a whole bunch of different levels. I mean, that's that's ignoring the fact that Nate is the guy who's out there like doing a whole bunch of the checks, and making sure everybody's in the right spot, answering all the questions, all, all that kind of stuff. It, it's just so hard to say. And on top of that, I mean, with so many other starters out, that means there's even more guys who need help getting into the right positions. So it's just this double whammy and the buffs got smacked mostly for that reason, but also for plenty of other reasons. Yeah, in the end, the season is an unabashed success. Um, the fact that they came down to the Alamo Bowl and were actually able to play in a bowl game like so many other teams weren't uh, is an incredible luxury. Um, the fact that CU played in a bowl game at all uh, in this season is a huge win for the fan base and for the program as a whole. Um, and, you know, you the one thing that you just hope is that this uh, coaching staff is able to turn the on-field momentum into recruiting momentum. And if they do, then, you know, we'll be right back here because a lot of this class uh, that was, you know, the star players of this team was part of the last class that they got from when they went to the Alamo Bowl. Yep. Um, Tough way to end the season. Back-to-back losses are uh, kind of just awful, Um, especially losses like this in a game where, you know, we we talked a lot about how 
how huge this game could be for Colorado if they did get the win. You know, then the recruiting, just national reputation-wise, how they're seen, the opportunities they get going forward, getting on the national TV. You know, the boosters get fired up by all the different things that come along with winning. I mean, there's a reason why this game was such a big game for Colorado if they could win. And that's that Texas is a really good football program. And we saw that tonight. And that's why it was such a challenge. So while it is disappointing that things went the way they did, it was still a huge success of a season. Um, even some successes tonight with how Brendan Lewis played and a couple of others. Um, and uh, for everybody who's been hanging out with us in all of these post-game shows all season, we appreciate you. Uh, and we're going to keep doing this with basketball. So stay tuned for those. Should be pretty much just on Saturday nights because uh, the Buffs will be playing, I think, basically just Thursdays and Saturdays the rest of the way. Uh, so stay tuned to those because uh, there's a lot more Buff sports still happening, even if football's over. And, of course, we'll be back with spring practice coverage, all that kind of stuff uh, when the time comes. Uh, again, just appreciate everybody for tuning into these. And we'll see you guys on Saturday after the Buffs play USC or UCLA. Whichever UCLA. one of those is not Thursday. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, we'll see you guys then. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it.